you today as your people as we come into this place we celebrate that you are alive from the dead that you've risen forevermore but Lord we want to thank you today that you live in our hearts Jesus we want to thank you that you have always been true to your word where you've said I will never leave you I will never forsake you and Lord Jesus as we come to listen to your word right now Holy Spirit I pray that you would go throughout this place to every heart and that you would make real what Jesus has done for us on the cross through his death and through his resurrection Lord we thank you for the new life that you've given us we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit and Lord I pray that each and every one of us would sense that new place of life that new position of life from glory to glory this morning as you have declared it to be in your word and all God's people said Amen. Come on, let's show our appreciation to the musicians this morning. What a wonderful weekend this is. You know, every Sunday, every day in fact, we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and lives forevermore. He lives in our hearts and what a wonderful blessing that is to know that he is our savior to know that he is our lord to know that we can rely on him in a changing world in a world that's forever at odds for a world that that is up and down you don't know you know what's happening what's around the corner there is one that never changes there is one that is the same yesterday today yes and forever amen his name is Jesus highly exalted the king of all kings the lord of all lords and as we've already declared he has been given the name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow every knee will bow in heaven it's already an established fact on earth it will be one day the the within the future that that our world races towards every knee will bow on this earth and even under the earth every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord hallelujah and on this week on this weekend we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins on this weekend not only do we celebrate that Jesus died for our sins but he also rose from the dead victoriously hallelujah come on let's give him praise this morning he's risen he's alive forevermore hallelujah yeah let's praise him this morning and any moment through this, these moments that we're having, you can just spontaneously praise him if you want to. There's no problem. This is the church of Jesus Christ. It is. You won't get told off for praising God in this place, I can tell you. Not at all. Not at all. 
But you know, there's some wonderful things that have occurred as a result of Jesus dying. There are some wonderful things that have occurred as a result of Jesus rising from the dead in relation to your life and in relation to my life. And the Bible tells us very clearly the wonderful results and consequences for our lives, what he's achieved, the achievements that Jesus has achieved on, in his death and in his resurrection. And we're going to look at this this morning, some verses from the Bible that tells us very clearly the blessings that we have received as a result of Jesus dying and as a result of Jesus rising from the dead. Romans chapter 4, we're going to start there. Verse 25, Paul is talking here to the church because he wants them to understand the blessings that they have received as a result of what Jesus has done through his death and through his resurrection. Paul had an amazing ability to encapsulate everything that Jesus had achieved in just but a few lines and that's what he does in this verse. He says this, Jesus who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Jesus was delivered up onto that cross and was punished for our sin. Have you ever felt guilty about things that you've done in your life? Have you ever felt shame? Have you, have you ever looked back in your past and, and you know, been horrified at, at some of the things that have gone on in your life. The Bible says very clearly, Paul declared it to the church at Rome, that Jesus was punished for all of those offenses of all of our lives. Every single one of us can look back and refer to points in our lives, in our past, that would, would bring us shame, that would bring us remorse and guilt. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was punished for every single offense that was committed by all of us. And not just us in this room, by the whole world. For all time and all eternity, he was delivered up for our offenses. Punished for our iniquities. Isaiah the, the, the prophet in Isaiah chapter 53 saw the tremendous sufferings that Jesus underwent. He saw the punishment. He saw that he was bruised for our iniquities and crushed for all of the sins of our world. He was delivered up, Paul says, for our offenses. But not only was he delivered up and punished for our offenses... Paul goes on to tell us that he was raised because of our justification. Now, you know, the Bible uses some incredible words, some big words, sometimes that are difficult to understand. But this morning, for the time that we have together, I want us to look at this word justification because it's an amazing word and it has incredible implications for all of our lives. It really does. You're saved. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. These are all Bible words 
that describe the actions of God in Christ, bringing us back into relationship with him. But not only, you know, are you forgiven? That's wonderful. Not only are you saved, not only are you redeemed from the power of sin and the slavery and the power in which was over you, you're, 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 you're justified, Paul says. What does that mean? What does it mean to be justified? It's an age-old question. What does it mean to be completely justified before God? In Job chapter 9, verse 2, thousands of years before Paul declared this to the Romans, Roman church, Job had a question as he talked to God. And he said this, how can a man be justified or made righteous before God? How can a man be justified? How can a man or a woman be made righteous before God, before a holy God? How is it possible? Do you have to work? Do you have to clean your life up? What do you have to do in order to be justified before God? That was Job's dilemma. That was Job's question. Why? Because he knew the sinful nature that he had that was so prevalent in his life that he couldn't free himself from. This is the age-old question. How can we get righteous? How can we be justified before God? You look at every religion in the world. And this is, this is the root issue for every single religion in the world. They will tell you to discipline yourself more. They'll tell you to pray more. They'll tell you to go through the regimes of fasting. All an attempt to be righteous before God. Of course, all of those actions are futile. You can't clean your act up. I can't clean my act up. This is the good news of the gospel. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And it's this sin that's, it's this sin that has separated us from this loving relationship that God wants to enter into with us. And Job is there knowing this separation, knowing this, this nature that is warring within him. How can I be justified before God? How can I be made righteous? And Paul brings closure to that question when he speaks to the church at Rome. He says, I'll tell you how a man can be made righteous. I'll tell you how a man or a woman can be justified before God. By simple faith in Christ Jesus. Your offenses have been laid on Christ. And not only have your offenses been laid on him, which enables you to be forgiven as you place your faith in him, in his resurrected life, you're justified in his presence, in God's presence. What does this word mean? What does it mean to be justified? Sometimes there's words in the Bible that are hard to understand. Sometimes we don't understand what's behind a great word like this. But only 
as we give our mind to it, only as we give our attention to it, do we begin to unlock all of the blessings that are behind it. Justification, it comes from the courtroom. It's a legal issue. It's a legal term. The word justification means that you have been brought into a place whereby it's as if you have never sinned. It means that your life has been examined by God. Your life and my life has been examined by God and a verdict has been reached. That's the thinking that's in Paul's mind when he's speaking to believers in Rome. He's saying, church, as a result of placing your faith and your trust in Jesus, as a result of placing your faith in what he's done for you on the cross, God has arrived at a verdict regarding your life. And that verdict is unchangeable, unalterable for all time and for all eternity. And the verdict is this, justified, justified. Because you've placed your faith, simple faith, simple trust in Christ Jesus. Your life was examined the moment that you placed your faith in Christ Jesus, examined by the judge of all the earth, examined by God himself. And as you placed your faith, your trust in Jesus, Paul says that you were justified by faith, by the faith and the trust that you placed in Christ alone. God has examined our lives. This is one of the aspects of this word justification that Paul uses. God has examined our lives and as a result of examining, examining our lives in Christ, we have been justified in him. And as a result of that, the verdict has been reached. What is the verdict? You have been made righteous. That is the verdict. You have the very righteousness of God. This is what Paul goes on to say to another church. You have the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we place our faith, when we place our trust in Jesus, the very righteousness of God becomes your portion. You may say, well, Dave, I don't feel very righteous. No, it's not a matter of feelings. It's not a matter of emotions. You know how turbulent your emotions are. You know how unsettled your feelings can be. But your justification before God is not on the basis of how you feel. It's on an established fact that Jesus has, has achieved for us in time and for all eternity, church. He's provided this for us. He saved us, yes. He's forgiven us, yes. He's extended his grace to us, yes. We've been pardoned forevermore, yes. But you've been justified by the faith that you've placed in him. Two aspects of this amazing word, justification. First of all, it means when Paul said to the church that, Christ has been raised for your justification. There are two aspects that he's talking about when he uses this word. Firstly, he's saying, church, 
you're not guilty. You're not guilty anymore. Your guilt has been removed. Your guilt has been washed away. Your guilt has been carried by another and now legally in the courtroom of heaven you have been pronounced not guilty. Now I'd be happy with not guilty. Right, I tell you, I would be happy with that. But there's more. Far more than we can ever imagine. And that's why Paul continually continually prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who? Christ Jesus. Infinitely more than we can ever imagine or expect. Not guilty, he says, when he uses this word. Not guilty anymore. No more shame over your life. Not because you or I are a good person. Not because, you know, we've followed specific strict codes of discipline and we've tried to work it out ourselves. No. Not as a result of any of that. Not guilty because of what Jesus has done. Not guilty because of a verdict that's been pronounced by God as a result of you and I being in Christ, as a result of us putting our simple trust and our faith in him. Not guilty, he says. But furthermore, not only are you not guilty, you're innocent. You're innocent of all wrongdoing. It's as if you had never ever done anything wrong now before God. God looks at you in Christ Jesus and the very righteousness that Christ has, you have. Not guilty. Innocent, made righteous. God's righteousness is your righteousness. In the Old Testament, it talks about all of our good works being like filthy rags. Every work, every attempt that we make toward God is stained by sin. Stained by a nature that we can't set ourselves free from unrighteous but now Paul in the New Testament sees Jesus now Paul in the New Testament sees the wonderful work of the cross in cancelling out the power of sin the power of death Jesus rising from the grave and he says church you're justified it's no longer your old works that merit anything before God it's a brand new life a brand new righteousness that's been given to you as a result of your faith In the one that's died for you, that's carried your offenses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, he goes on and he begins again to describe what's happened. He said, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God." Justification has wonderful implications for our lives. Justification is a powerful reality that God wants us to understand and live in. And it's all as a result of Jesus rising from the dead. 
His work is complete. That's why he said on the cross, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. The work that the Father set for me, the work that the Father gave to me, into my hands, I have finished it. I have completed it. It's done. What I had to do on behalf of this world, on behalf of the human race, I have done. It is finished. And now there is access before God to everyone that would receive and believe. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The punishment that was due to us was placed on him. And simple faith, simple trust gives us access to this brand new life whereby we feel no guilt, whereby we have to carry no shame. We become the very righteousness of God in Christ. So what's the time scale? What's the time scale of this justification? How long does it take to be justified? You know, are we talking a week? Are we talking a month? Are we talking a few years? You know, as you get your feet under the table and as you faithfully follow Christ, what's the time scale? Immediate. Immediate. Instantaneous justification. The moment you believe, the moment that you place your faith in Christ, you're justified. Brand new. Brand new, that's it. Praise God. Praise God, my friend. Justified, made brand new. Romans 5 verse 1. Paul again talking about this wonderful aspect of justification and the power of it. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people struggle to believe that there is a God. Some people struggle to believe that, that God would love them. I'm telling you now, the moment, that you, the moment that you call out to God, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The moment that that heart cry goes up to heaven from your heart, you will experience the power of God's salvation and you will know the newness, the wonder of salvation and his life within you. This is not a figment of our imagination, friends. This is a reality. This is an experience. This is a security of salvation that we know as we live our lives, as we walk through this world. It's immediate, instantaneous. The moment that you place your faith in Christ Jesus, you are justified. Guilt goes. A verdict is pronounced by God that is unalterable, that cannot be changed. He said, I am the Lord, I change not. The verdict over your life is declared and is ratified. Do you know what? You have no right to be guilty. You have no right to feel guilty. You, you, you and I have no right to look back on our past and live continually in it. We have no right because Jesus 
has been raised from the dead and as a result has become our justification. How is it possible? How can a righteous God, how can a righteous God accept a sinful person like me? How is it possible? A righteous, holy God that has to judge sin. How is it possible that I can have a relationship with him? Well, firstly, like we've said, as a result of me believing that my sins was laid on Christ, as a result of Jesus dying for my sins, the moment that I believe that, access is given to me into a relationship with God. But how can somebody with a sinful nature become righteous? Well, the Bible uses another word that's really important. And it's this word, imputation. Imputation. And this is a word that's taken from the accounting world. It's like God becomes an accountant. Paul starts in the law courts and he says, listen, as a result of Christ carrying your sins, Jesus was judged and you've been justified. But now he turns his, his, his thoughts many times through his writings and he talks about this word imputation. Imputation is an important word. In Romans chapter 4, it's used 11 times. And throughout the epistles, it's used many times. As you read your New Testament, you see it translated in different ways. Other words are used to represent it. Words like counted, accounted, reckoned, and credited. To understand the full meaning of this word imputation, you have to understand that what was in your account, our sinful account, was placed into Christ's account and all of the wonderful blessings of Christ's life was transferred into our account. That's what imputation means. It means very simply that, you know, if, if my account was well overdrawn, my bank account was well overdrawn and some generous person came along and decided to impute all of their funds into my overdrawn account, I would become a very wealthy person as a result of that investment. Christ invested his life into us when we were poor, when we were wretched, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul tells us. It was at that moment where Christ's life was invested into our lives as a result of our faith and our trust in him. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 31 to 35 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, 
but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who has died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God and also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? None of it, Paul says, can separate us from God's love, which is in Christ Jesus. But Paul here again, talking to the church at Rome, surveys what Jesus has done, surveys what's been accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And he arrives at a conclusion, a wonderful conclusion. He says, God's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. Don't ever think that God is against you. Don't ever look at life and think, do you know what? God's trying to trip me up. God's angry with me. No, God's anger was vented on Jesus so that the Father God, the Son, and the Spirit could get access into your heart so that you could have a loving relationship with him. God's anger is not vented on us. God's anger was vented once and for all on Jesus Christ on the cross. As he suffered and died for us. So that access could be open. Forever open. Paul surveying what had happened. Understanding what had taken place. He said God's for us. And therefore. If God is for us, who then? Again, he goes into the courtroom scenario. Who can bring a charge against us, he says. Who is there in this universe? And it's a universal who. He points maybe to heaven. Is there anyone in heaven that can bring a charge against us? You think about the perfections of heaven. You think about the perfections of angels. Is there anybody that could bring into question Christ's work on the cross in redeeming men and women back to himself? Is there anybody that could bring a charge? Is there any charge that would stand? And he says, who? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? And then he answers the question by saying, it is God it is Christ who died. It is God who has justified us. It is God who has pronounced that final verdict over our life. Not guilty. It is God who has, who has pronounced that final verdict over our life. Innocent. It is God in Christ who has pronounced that once forever verdict over our lives. Righteous. Not righteous as a result of your works. Not righteous as a result of your disciplines. Not righteous as a result of last week's been a good week. Righteous as a result of Jesus taking upon himself the penalty for our sin. And for us being, being made righteous before God. 
in his image, in his likeness. That's what's happened. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in a few moments. Made righteous. Made righteous before God. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Peace, peace. We have peace. We've read it. We have peace with God. Talking to another church, on one occasion, Paul said this, don't be anxious about anything. And very often you can scratch your head and you can think, well, my goodness, I'm living in a world full of worry, care, and anxiety. It's completely irrational to think that I don't have to have any anxiety or any worry or any care. No, Paul was coming from a very strong position when he said that. You've been justified. You've been made righteous. You've been made holy. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No anxiety has to hang around you. No worry, no care, no fear. No. We're more than conquerors through Christ. Through Christ who strengthens us. God is for us, church. God is for us, not against us. And today, over this weekend, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again, for our justification, delivered for our offenses, rose again for our justification. Let us, with a new resolve, live in all of the blessings and all of the wonders of a life that says no more guilt, no more shame, no more anxiety, fear, or worry. But we live in this new relationship with Him. You know, Paul finally said this. He said, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Your life is alive to God. Reckon yourself dead to sin. Sin has no part in you. Sin has no power over you. And every time the enemy comes, the accuser comes, you can reckon yourself dead to that. You can reckon yourself alive to God. That word reckon, it means to calculate. It means to come to a, a, a conclusion. And the conclusion is based on everything that Jesus has done. And that's why it's been written. That's why God forever settled it in his word so that we could read it, appropriate it, and live in the blessings of it. Amen. Come on, why don't we give Jesus a shout of praise for what he's done in this place. We thank you.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you that you died for us. You carried all of our sins. Every single one of us. For every single one of us, you were punished. You were beaten, you were wounded, crucified and died, judged by God so that we might be justified. Lord, we thank you today for your presence in this place. I thank you for every single person here. And you may be here today. and You've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your heart. He is but a prayer away. You say, but Dave, I don't feel as if I deserve it. Listen, none of us deserve this love. None of us deserve this grace. None of us deserve this relationship that God freely gives to us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and maybe you're going to pray this prayer with me for the first time quietly in your heart. It's my privilege today to pray with you, to pray this simple prayer where you're going to call on his name and salvation is going to be the result. Your salvation, you're going to know peace with God. Maybe for the first time, I'm going to pray right now and then we're going to sing. Pray this prayer after me, quietly in your heart. Say, Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Save me. I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus, I ask you for your peace. Jesus, I ask you that you would be my Lord. And from this very moment, you would lead me. I receive you now. I receive forgiveness. I receive your salvation. Amen.